Okay, uh, welcome to Table Talk. This is the podcast from uh, The Tin Lunchbox, www.thetinlunchbox.com. We have Tyler Sheldon with us today. He is the author of First Breaths of Arrival, a poetry chapbook. It is his first poetry chapbook, and I'm going to let him kind of tell you a little bit about that. Uh, welcome, Tyler. Well, thank you very much for having me, Sean. Absolutely. Um, and I wanted to let you know um, that since I've received your chapbook, I have not been able to put it down. It's been really uh-huh. just excellent. Oh, uh, yes, thank you very much. Yes. Um, you know, the first time I read it, I read it all the way through, which is very unusual for me. When I get a new poetry chapbook, I usually read one or two, and I, I kind of mull it over, and I let it settle in my mind, and, you know, and then I go through some more of it. But... I opened it up and I just, I couldn't stop. I just kept on going. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, so why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got started with poetry? Absolutely. Um, Well, I grew up in Hutchinson, Kansas. My father is a poet. Um, Hutchinson is a pretty poet-rich city. Uh, William Stafford, former poet laureate of the U.S., uh, he was born there and grew up there. uh, And then living with my family, I met poets like Stephen Hind, um, Amy Fleury, who taught uh, for a long time at Washburn and Topeka, um, Gary Gildner, uh, people like Kim Stafford, William Sun. And I started writing pretty bad fiction uh, in middle school. <laughs> when I started at Emporia State, uh, transferring in as a junior in undergrad, I started taking classes with Dr. Kevin Rabus, who uh, then directed the creative writing program. And one day in class, he put out a call for submissions to a journal called Periphery out of uh, Drake University. And I thought, what the heck? You know, I've, I've been writing a little poetry. I, I thought it wasn't too terrible, and so I sent a few poems along. And uh, luckily, they took one. They, they suggested a lot of edits, and I figured, well, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so my first one, I'll, I'll uh, do whatever they like. I've become a little more discerning since then, but uh, I, I don't know. Being over to suggestions has always been helpful. Oh, good, good. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, so you mentioned that you had written some pretty bad fiction. Um, do you think, um, on a related note, that there's such a thing as bad poetry? You know, I, I think there is such a thing as bad poetry. Um, although it, it's not necessarily objective. I know that people might be writing poetry um, and think, you know, this fits or doesn't fit with what my sensibility is. But I think that bad poetry is just poetry that doesn't um, efficiently fully carry forth the ideas that the poet wants to convey. That is to say, um, objectively, it might sound really good, but if the poet isn't satisfied, I would say that's that's bad poetry. Um, and, and it just might be in need of improvement. It might not be uh, unsalvageable. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that same way about when I write poetry sometimes is, you know, I have this feeling or these emotions or this thought I want to convey, and then I get it down on paper, and I'm like, well, this stinks. It really just doesn't do what I want it to do. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a process for sure. Sure. Um, so, kind of going back to um, some other ideas here, what what are or who are some of your inspirations for poetry? Well, um, I would say that I, I've already mentioned William Stafford. He's been a big influence. Um, I would say that poets like, of course, Billy Collins, uh, poet laureate for, I think, two terms. He's been really influential. I've been reading a lot of um, Wallace Stevens lately, 
and then I've really been influenced lately by Randall Jarrell, the World War II poet. Uh, pretty harrowing stuff, but it's been enlightening, and I've learned how to cut the fat, as they say. I've learned how to get rid of uh, inefficient lines in favor of better ones through studying poets like these. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, that's something that I have not yet mastered. So congratulations on that front. Um, I don't know. Well, thank you. I don't, I don't know if I've mastered it yet, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying. All right. Um, so in First Breaths of Arrival, um, yeah. you've got several, um, just looking at the table of contents here, you've got one titled For Kansas Poets. Yeah. One in Kansas and Red Tails and Sea Ghosts of Kansas. So there's a lot of Kansas themes. So tell me kind of a little bit about what um, made you, I think, I guess, uh, let's see, what made you really want to put those ones together in that way, like as part of the same set? Sure. Well, there's a lot of common tropes here. As you've already noticed, um, a lot of these poems are set in Kansas. It's where I grew up. It's where I developed a lot of my own voice, not just poetically, but um, academically etc. And in uh, For Kansas Poets in particular, this was interesting, and I liked it as a sort of frontispiece piece uh, the chapbook, because I wrote it with my father, who's another Kansas poet. And so bouncing those ideas off one another in the drafting of this poem, I came up with the version he did, and we meshed them together over the course of a few weeks. That was refreshing and helpful, and it dovetailed nicely with some other ones. This in Kansas is sort of a reflection of my uh, upbringing, I suppose, in the state, and some of my more lasting impressions. Uh, and then Red Tails, well, this is interesting, because this took place while leaving Kansas. Um, some of the lines in there, Red Tails perch on posts like mobsters, one void, two void. And this is interesting, because it did take place while leaving Kansas and counting birds on telephone lines for something to do. <laughs> yeah. And picturing them sort of surveying their territory was, was fun. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely can relate to these poems a lot. Um, I, too, am a native of Kansas, grew up here, lived here all my life. Um, I mean, I've traveled places, sure, but these, I think, you know, it's important to have a good hook, and these are really a good hook. Um, all oh, of them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it just drew me in and I, I couldn't let it go. Um, and so I feel like, you know, you're describing my childhood too. And that's always great when when we're poets or when we write poetry. We want to make sure that our audience is able to relate. So that's excellent um, on, on that part. I wanted to know, um, you said you've been doing a lot of studying of these different poets and you've kind of done some... Um, refreshing work with your father and uh, working together on For Kansas Poets. So, do you ever get stuck when you're writing poetry? And how do you get unstuck? Oh, all the time. <laughs> um, when I'm writing poetry, usually <clears throat> usually it starts out where uh, I've, I've had an experience. It could be uh, going on a canoe trip, it could be driving around town, it could be any number of things. And I'll just start writing. I know that a lot of people wait for, as they say, the muse to strike, but sometimes you have to sort of go out and hunt for it yourself. Um, I'll go a day or two without writing a poem, and sometimes even longer. Sometimes I'll go a week or, or two weeks without writing a poem. Um, and that is when I'm stuck. It's not because I have a dearth of ideas. It's more because I'm 
usually caught up doing other things, or I'm caught up revising poems I've already written. When I feel stuck, I like to take a little bit of advice that uh, Kim Stafford, who I already mentioned, gave to me. Um, he said, what you need to do, you need to get out a writing utensil, a piece of paper, and you just need to start writing. Uh, first thing you need to put at the top of the page, so a little more mundane than you might imagine, just put the date, put your name, and then um, just start writing, see what comes of it. It's a common teaching technique that I've used too. Uh, even if you have to write, I hate this, this is no good, eventually you'll start writing something that means a little bit more to you, and it'll snowball from there, and that's usually how I get myself unstuck. Well, that's excellent. And I tell you, I've, I've done the same thing before um, in an academic uh, setting, too, where I'm like, I don't know what to write about this particular topic, but I have to write it. And I have all this information is just crazy in my head. So I write first lines of my essays like this topic stinks because blank. And then I fill in the blank. And then eventually I'm able to kind of come around to an introduction and my points and I'm able to organize it a little better. And then I just go back and I delete that first line and nobody's the wiser. <laughs> so that's a great method. I'm, I'm really glad that I'm not the only one who does that, honestly. <laughs> so um, kind of going back to that fiction you mentioned, do you write any other genres besides poetry? Have you tried fiction again? Well, um, you know, for a long time, I didn't really know how to quantify it, how to define it. I was writing uh, for a long time, creative nonfiction and personal essay, thinking it was fiction, just because I would change a few names, and maybe it is. Um, you know, I think those genres are up to the writer to define, and that might seem like a canned answer, but there you go. <laughs> I think the other genres I write in are uh, essays, either academic or personal, and uh, creative nonfiction. I have, uh, I don't know, the kind of situation that I feel particularly drawn to. Uh, that has happened to me or that's happened to a friend, don't write about it. And usually it ends up being in some sort of essay form. Of course, uh, recently, I, I think this has only begun to come to fruition. Um, and there's an essay about Kansas that I just finished writing called Flood in Hutchinson, my hometown. There was a flood a couple of years back that happened in the middle of the night. It was the weirdest thing, a flash flood. And... Um, no kidding, the water was up to my waist as I walked through uh, the street. Wow. And that uh, turned into a, a piece of writing that I then submitted to a, a Kansas anthology that got picked up recently. So that buoyed my confidence, and I'm, I'm writing more and more of that um, as I can. So. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, it would be exciting to see some of that in the future, maybe. Oh, I think so, too. Um, well... I'll keep you posted on that. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, all right. So tell us a little bit more about your chat book, uh, First Breaths of Arrival. How did you know you wanted to create a collection of poems? I'm sorry, say that again? How did you know you wanted to create a collection of poems? Like what kind of inspired you to do that? Well, I had read a lot of my uh, colleagues and, and friends' work, um, and a lot of professors' work, too. I mentioned Dr. Kevin Reyes. He has several excellent uh, books and a chapbook out as well. Um, and then after reading a lot of this collected poetry, I thought, well, I have a lot of work that dovetails nicely uh, with other pieces of my work. I have work that I want to see uh, in a sort of volume. And after a while, I realized that I wasn't getting um, the cohesive whole message across through individual poems. And I think that was really the crux of my decision to 
make a collection. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's very professional. It's got the acknowledgments and, you know, your previous publications. And I'm looking here at uh, the copyright and everything. So it looks great. You've got the ISSN number in there. Um, that's wonderful. You know, I'm just so excited. I used to do some book editing um, and kind of helped with layouts um, uh, last year, actually, in 2015. So seeing that is really great. You know, a lot of people don't know to do those things. So oh, sure. excellent, excellent. Um, so how did you then, I guess, select the specific pieces that would go into the chapbook? Did you write them specifically for this project? Well, I had a few pieces that I had written uh, vaguely with the idea of a collection of mine. I think Four Kansas Poets, that collaborative piece, was certainly one of those. But I had a lot of this Midwestern-themed, Kansas-themed poetry. Mm-hmm. And uh, poetry, I think, not uh, written in childhood, but poetry of childhood, uh, retelling a little bit of my past. And poetry that I needed to lend a larger voice, the voice of a collection. And so parsing through these pieces... I knew that I wanted to have a fairly small selection of work, and 16 poems is a standard amount for uh, the press that I went through, which is Oil Hill Press in Wichita, owned by John Jenkinson, a really stellar poet. And the smaller the amount of poems, it seems to me, the more cohesive they are as a collection. And so I wanted to get these Kansas-themed poems across and transition a little bit into, uh, gosh, what I might more uh, universal themes, and that's that's assuming a lot. But themes that uh, speak to more than just me, more than just people who grew up in Kansas. Some of these might be replay being American towards the end, boots, for instance. Right. Awesome. Um, well, that's really exciting. I've thought for a while maybe I should do a chat book, but I can't ever find enough items on a particular topic. So I'm going to have to work harder on that, I think. <laughs> but I wanted to know, what is your favorite piece in this chat book? Oh, goodness. I should have prepared a little better for this question, I think. <laughs> um, I think maybe um, my favorite piece in the chat book would have to be one called uh, Replay. That's a little bit later on. And I like that because when I wrote it, as a first draft even, it was fairly cohesive, and uh, I liked the theme that, that it conveys being open to new possibilities, uh, literally in this instance, of course, because you had a, I don't know, uh, to name a term, I guess, this sort of reincarnation of the character or of the idea, and its incorporation of music as well. Um, it seemed to be one of those more universal poems, at least uh, by the standards of the poems that I write. And I find it, um, I find it satisfying to, to read more crafts than some of these other ones. Okay, yeah. I mean, I really like it. Do you want to read that for us? That, um, absolutely, if that's all right. Sure, uh, whenever you're ready. Okay, this one's called Replay. Page 14. When my time spins around, I will return as a record store clerk. And customers will come and ask, Hey, man, what do you recommend? I'll say, try this one. I'll put on the album I've picked and drop the needle arm down. The record will spin like the passing world. 
When it reaches the end, I'll slip the LP over and we'll listen again as many times as we need. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's, you know, I I love that one, too. And I'm a very musically oriented person, so, of course, that one just struck me. Um, you know, it, I mean, hooked till the end. I tell you what, I can't emphasize enough just, you know, how how addicted I am to this chat book. Well, thank you for <laughs> struck, Yeah. struck a chord, you might say. Yeah. Um... I'd like to know a few things. Um, will you be making any appearances or promotions or readings for this chapbook? Well, um, I do have a reading coming up fairly recently, um, probably the beginning of July of this next month um, in Hutchinson. And I don't have all the details for that worked out yet, but I believe it'll be at the Art Center um, in Hutchinson, Kansas. And that's interesting for me just because. Um, when I was sort of coming into poetry, I, I might say, I got to see a lot of readings there. Apart from that, um, I have a few people who were writing reviews for the chapbook, and then I'm uh, promoting it myself as um, as shamelessly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> of course, as we all must do when we have new new products to, uh, to share. Yeah. Um, how would... A listener be able to obtain a copy of your chapbook. All right. Well, um, I just ended up um, placing some at the uh, Metropolitan Coffee Shop in Hutchinson, Kansas, and as well, um, you can obtain copies by uh, contacting me directly, and I can ship those out. I haven't yet worked out the bugs with online retailers, but I'm in the process um, as I'm going to be. Um, moving house fairly soon as well. That was uh, impacting that decision. But I can keep listeners updated uh, as things progress. Okay, great. Well, we'll get your contact information um, on our site. Um, so that way, um, anyone who's interested can get a copy through you directly. Um, okay. I do want to know, do you have any other projects in the works right now? Well, I'm working on a second. It, it might be a chapbook. I, I'm Shauna, like you, I'm, I'm almost addicted to this format. It's <laughs> clean, it's cohesive, it's shorter, um, you know, which lends to more polished overall words. And what I'm working on now is uh, a sort of collection of these uh, more personal, but maybe more universal pieces. I'm working through um, what you might call some traumas, and that, that's the working title of this new collection, Traumas. And so we'll see where that goes. It might be darker stuff, but I'm hoping it'll be cathartic stuff. Oh, wonderful. That sounds really interesting. Um, definitely let me know when that comes out. I'd like to give it a read. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much. I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, and then finally, do you have any advice for aspiring poets out there? My advice for all poets out there, I guess we're all aspiring poets, really, including uh, me, including the people I read. It's just read, go pick up a book. It doesn't have to be poetry. Um, I suppose that people have said you can read the cereal box in the morning as you're getting ready. But what I would suggest <laughs> would be find some poets you're interested in. Go to the library, go to the bookstore, um, get on Amazon, and find some books whose covers interest you. Find some books with uh, authors you know. Start reading, start paying attention to the language, the way it flows, the way that the voice comes through. 
and start thinking about what you can borrow. Uh, this might get me in trouble, I don't know, William Stafford. <laughs> Good writers borrow, great writers steal. I don't mean this in the sense of copyrighted print, but what I mean is if you find ideas that call to you, see those ideas, adopt them for your own use, and I bet they'll benefit you. I know they did me. Oh, awesome. Well, that's really great. You know, I'm going to have to take that advice and see what I come up with. Well, perfect. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tyler, for interviewing with us here at 10 Lunchbox. Um, as I said, we'll have uh, your contact information posted on the website so that people who would like to order your chapbook can. Um, do you have any other things to add today? Well, I just want to say thank you very much uh, for hosting me with, with uh, Table Talk and 10 Lunchbox. It's been a, a pleasure to find out about your journal and to submit and to have the Good Luck Tab work received. And uh, for those listening, do check out 10 Lunchbox Review. It's a stellar journal, and I can't wait to see the new issue. Oh, thanks. Um, we should have our first volume, first issue, out um, about this time next month. So, uh, yeah, once um, it's all laid out and put together, we'll have that PDF file. Um, and you'll need to subscribe if you want access to the full file. Otherwise, you're just going to see a part of it on the website itself. Um, and great. subscriptions are free, too. So, um, all right. Well, thank you again. And we will kind of wrap it up there. And thank you for joining us on Table Talk. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.